Hello, welcome to the Passenger Podcast. So, today is a little bit different. I'm doing the podcast from someone else's house. And I explained how that came to be, but I thought it was important to do this because the experience, um, for some reason, induced a panic attack. And I kind of want to better understand and also talk about the successes to maybe help someone else um, who finds himself in that predicament. So we had therapy. I go to an outpatient therapy and we have therapy. And one of the one of my peers at the outpatient therapy asked if I wanted to hang out like later after the day and usually the answer would be no like that would be my first reaction but in this case I thought of a goal that I set for myself to be present and mindful and I knew that if I was at home that probably wouldn't be the case and the reason is I spent a lot of the week um implementing a lot of the behaviors that I have been working on whether it was speaking up and making changes in therapy etc so it was an emotionally exhausting week because I was now doing the things that I was thinking and that meant spending the weekend likely emotionally depleted and wanting to tune out the world and I planned for that so um so when the peer asked if I wanted to hang out I didn't want to take too much time to think about that because the answer would be no and so I ended up going and They had some other errands to run, so they actually dropped me off at home. They ran their errands, and then they were were to come back, and then we would go to their house. And it was during that period of time while they were running errands that the increasing anxiety started to rise. And the self-awareness practice, the mindfulness tells me when that's happening. I know when that's happening because I'm not able to focus. I'm very tense. Um, and just not able to really get anything done. And knowing that, I challenged myself to attack certain things that were inducing the anxiety. The things that were under my control And it's extremely important. There are some factors that you simply have no control over and are just going to happen. You have to adjust. But other things you can, that are within your control, it's important to attack those things. And two of those things for me was number one, calling a doctor um, to get information So I ended up making that call. I got an answer and it was a relief. 
And then the other was related to a job interview. There were other parts of information that I needed to I needed to submit in a given time. And so I did that as well. And there was a sense of accomplishment at that point. There was a sense that I got things done even with increasing anxiety. And that left me in a really positive mode. But even still, the anxiety was very high. So I got those two things off of my list, but still very tense. And the tenseness came from, number one, the idea of whether or not this person would come back like they said they would. Um, do I cancel or do I wait for them to cancel in my mind is that's what they're going to do. They're going to cancel. They're going to say something came up and that let down feeling is going to, you know, arise. And so there was a lot of anxiety with that. Um, that's an example of something that was out of my control. And yet I needed to to prepare and move forward. And so what I mean by that is it would be very easy in those moments to not prepare. And okay, so I'm just not going to get ready to go. So if they call, I'm not going to be ready, which means I can't go. It would be very easy to make that next um, step. And that feeds into the anxiety. So instead, I prepared myself to go and took their word for it. They said they would be back. Give them the opportunity to keep their word. And they did. And they came back. And this is something that is extremely important as you're trying to make changes like the kind of changes I'm trying to make I have have to give people the opportunity number one but allow them to define themselves and in the example that I gave if I would have not been ready not had my things ready etc etc I would have made that decision for them it would just simply be another form of confirmation bias and and blame and pointing finger and I would then just be you know you see that's why you know you know never decide to go out or whatever and I wasn't ready there would be this whole blame game allow what I took from that situation was I have to allow people to reveal themselves. And in that example, the revealing was you said you'd be back. Either you're going to come back or you're not. But I don't want to make that decision. Allow other people to make that decision for their own behavior, be responsible for their own behavior. 
that was a it was a very important distinction to make because the opposite typically would have occurred the anxiety would have taken over um i would have been texting them spastically or erratically or and at some point they would have asked like okay if you don't if you don't want to come it's okay and that would have been what i was looking for and so this was a totally different approach that hey while they're away there are actually things in my control that I can do to decrease my anxiety in this moment. Let me focus on that, not whether or not they're going to let me down. Because I can't control that. And um, nonetheless, they did come back. And we went to their place. And similar to the weekend before, this is a total... Um, shock to my senses um new people new um experiences and things i'm seeing or hearing etc etc um it's all of that and i had to kind of prepare myself but still very nervous even on the ride um to their house very nervous and the nervousness I I would say or the anxiety the tenseness it was brought on by a plethora of things there was a ton of different emotions that I'll kind of touch on but one of them was thinking of all the things that could go wrong and what's inter- inter- interesting about that, if I compare the weekend before, that would have maybe been more of um, a time where I would think I would think of the worst. But I, but as I reflect on the previous weekend, I think the difference was I didn't necessarily have to be very present or vulnerable. With the people I was around the previous weekend um, because they were not present and vulnerable so there wasn't an exchange there we're now we're around each other but there wasn't that sense of vulnerability so yeah that I, that may just be why the anxiety wasn't as high when it probably should be should have been um, with this though, anxiety was very high. Um, even when there were signs of the opposite, um, the environment is calm, quiet. Um, there are children, there are dogs, there are things around physical things that indicate no need to be nervous, no danger. Um, the energy, I can't can't blame the energy. The energy is not negative or, or tense. I'm feeling that inside, but that's not the that's not the energy around me. 
yet the anxiety is still high and even dare I say higher even though I got those two things off of my list that lasted for a little bit but it shot right right back up and part of me thinks it's related to just being emotionally spent I've had to be very open transparent and vulnerable um the last two or three weeks without any um breaks in between almost and um there there maybe was something there like okay I'm I am I over the vulnerability am I over opening up and is this a waste of my time etc it was those kind of thoughts but at some point the nervousness turned to danger and I don't use that word very lightly there was a sense of danger and I don't and that sense of danger imminent danger not something in the future not what I have planned tomorrow it was an imminent danger that ended up bringing about a panic attack and the interesting part about this is I've only had panic attacks in, in two distinct places work and home and that's no surprise because that's where I spend most of my time. So that doesn't come as much of a surprise. Um, but at work, the whole thing is to suppress it and get out of it as fast as you can. And the exact opposite, at home, you don't have those boundaries and parameters. So now uh, the panic attack continues way longer than it should um uninterrupted and that's equally as dangerous and um it also happens without um support so that's equally as problematic this was a little bit different because i was utilizing introspection as it was happening and I'm happy to say that because it means I didn't lose total control. Even when feeling out of control and feeling danger. Um, the way that I ended up doing this. It comes down to the mindfulness and the presence of uh, being present. I could already sense that anxiety was at its peak. Problem was, I wasn't home. I wasn't at work. And I'm looking around and I don't see anyone else that seems to be scared or in danger. So that's, that's the first observation. Looking at my surroundings. And asking myself, where is the danger? 
Where is it? Can I point it out? And if I can, address it, but look for the danger. And that's a stage that I had to go through. And this is part of what some would call cognitive therapy. Um, and addressing the distortions that we sometimes carry. And in my case, in that moment, it was, I am in danger, imminent danger. I need to um, prepare. I need to be aware, alert, ready for anything. And that distortion I had to dismantle that distortion to get out of that attack. And the reason this is a huge, huge thing is because the only reason I even was compelled to address it is because I wasn't home. If I'd been home, it would have lingered on and on and on and on. And I wouldn't have taken the time to reflect. And if I was at work, I would have tried to just bury it under the rug and try to focus on work, which never works. But because I was um, around a patient and their family and calm environment, um, I felt safe enough to um, go through that experience, which is a good sign. But I also felt like I had no choice, which wasn't true, but it was good that I felt that way. But I had to just go through it and trust that the people around me were going to either support or not judge or whatever. But I just had to go with it. And attack that distortion. Where is the danger? literally look around where is the danger is it the dogs I stare at the dogs and they're asleep sleeping dogs no danger is it the people one of which I've met before and we go to therapy with where's the danger has has she done anything that would indicate danger or that um, I should be afraid? Then moving on to the people I didn't know. Some are children. Uh, one is an adult. Are they exhibiting any behaviors that are danger to me? Is there something I should be fearful of? Um, look around in the environment. Feel safe, secure. Is there any sense that I would be in danger that I had, did I miss anything? The answer was, at first, I'm not sure. And... I have to kind of pry more. And I can't tell you where the suspicion turned into um, 
vulnerability, but it was that change that was very important. And I think maybe it came from the fact that there was an equal exchange of vulnerability. And that's actually been a reoccurring problem in my life where I felt, okay, I'm being vulnerable with someone, but it's not being reciprocated. And maybe that's what allowed the suspicion and the danger to be infiltrated by what was that, what was now vulnerability. And once that vulnerability was there, oh, that kind of, um, it totally changed my perspective on the situation. It totally flipped it. Totally. And now what I was thinking, going back to when the person asked if I wanted to hang out, now what I was thinking in that moment was they are the ones that are taking the risk. When they came to come pick me up, they are the ones taking the risk. When they came to um, being around their family, they are the ones taking the risk. It gave me a perspective shift that the danger and uh, the the vulnerability was was mutual, but also the risk was mutual. And that, for me, told me I didn't need to be afraid. That the person was, too, being vulnerable. And that made me, that made the danger subside. It would, the best way to describe it, it would be like if, um, If I'm sitting there, you know, holding my weapon ready to shoot and the other person puts their weapon down, it would be the, it would be like that. Like they're not a threat. If they were a threat, they wouldn't put their weapon down. They wouldn't, um, you know, be, you know, with their hands up or something. It's, It's that idea that they're, they're not a threat. Why am I still seeing them as one? Um, or a better, better example is they don't even have a weapon to begin with. So why am I sensing danger? And so nonetheless, I took myself through those questions. And even after a long night of, of talking and being vulnerable... That didn't mean that I that the sense of danger went away. It simply meant that I needed to look harder. That um, this was an example of my fears were being irrational. It was an irrational fear. That I had already done the distortion and 
checked off the boxes and said, no, not in danger. But the fear was telling me, oh, you need to just look harder or you're, you're being naive. And so um, I end up uh, going, going to bed. They have like a little area for me to sleep. And um, that's when it was at its worst. Um, just heart pacing, shallow breathing. All of the makings of an attack. And I'm still sorting through what ultimately helped it subside. I'm still sorting through that, um, to be totally honest. But some of the things that I can say were a factor um, was once there was room to hide. And I have to kind of be honest about that. Um, I went to a separate area and was able to let the rest of the panic continue. Not continue uninterrupted, but I did let it continue. And I'm glad I did and got it out. And I'm glad I took the time to challenge myself, whether or not I don't really think I was successful. And um, something that the something that one of my peers talks about is storms, and not trying to stop the storm, but you know, just withstanding it. That's kind of like how I felt with this talk asking the questions that I asked was my way of boarding up windows it was my way of um, it was my way of preparing to withstand the storm and instead of dwelling on the fact that it happened and how, how um, shameful slash embarrassing, I'm trying to celebrate the fact that I utilized coping skills during the storm and I made it through the storm safely Um and also, I didn't fall into the trap of of projecting or uh, 
I didn't make it someone else's problem. In fact, I ruled out everyone else. It's not the dogs. It's not the people. It's not the environment. I didn't put the blame on, on, I think that's, that's actually a very important revelation that I ruled them out like a detective, you know, ruling out a suspect. Once you rule them out and you stop pursuing that, that thought, you stop looking into it and that was pretty huge that was pretty huge so I will talk a little bit more about this experience um, but that was that's all for now I just thought it was important to point out using a lot of the tactics that I have learned in the moment and maybe I didn't do it perfectly and there's things that I wish I could do over again but using those tactics in the moment it's it's like you know you go to a self-defense class and then finally unfortunately I should say you have to use it in a real-life situation this was a real-life situation where there was no imminent danger. I ruled that out and I had to cope myself through it. So that is all I will say for now. As always, thank you for listening.